Well, praise the Lord, Urshan. The power and the presence of the Lord that is here is unmistakable. And I am thankful to have the opportunity to preach this morning. But I am more thankful for the opportunity to preach in such a context today. One that is focused on Him. He's our central. He's our only focus. And I am thankful for the power and the presence of the Lord. Thank you, praise team, for leading us uh, into the presence of the Lord. And I believe that God is not finished in this room today. He has a lot more to do. He has a lot more to do in this house today. And I don't know. I don't know all of what he's going to do. I don't know all the different ones he's going to talk to. I don't know if it's just going to be one or two or if it's going to be the majority of us today. But I do know that the Lord sent me here with with a word of encouragement, a word of help, and a word of strength for you today. And before I read my text, I, I do want to give honor to Brother McClintock and thank him and Sister McClintock for the opportunity to minister. As was mentioned, I am a graduate of Urshan Graduate School of Theology. I also graduated from Gateway College. Before it was Urshan, it was Gateway. And so I graduated from there as well. So I am one of you. I also do work here. That's my office over there in the corner. So if you are a Christian ministry major and you are looking for a place to do an internship, come see me, email me, whatever. My name's on the screen so you can figure out my email address, attach Urshan to the end. And uh, I'd love to talk to you and get you a place to go. We have tons of pastors that have called or organizations and even businesses that have called and are wanting you, our students. And so there's multiple opportunities. There's no reason for you to just... um, sit on your hands for the summer and wonder if there's a place for you. There is a place for you. And so I'd love to talk to you and uh, talk to you about an internship. I'm going to go to the word of the Lord this morning. Philippians chapter one and verse six, probably familiar to many of you. Philippians chapter one and verse six. And I do want to express thanks to this institution, Sister Russell, Brother Colthard. And what this institution stands for When I was in Bible college, way back, you know, Fred Flintstone and I were the student body president. I'm just kidding. Um, I was only the secretary. But, But this institution helped me to answer the call that I felt like God had on my life. And that was to teach and to preach his word. This institution believed in me as a female to do what I felt God wanted me to do. And this institution still believes in men and women who are servant leaders, equipping us and empowering us to fulfill God's. And I'm just thankful for this institution. I'm thankful for what it means in the lives of all of you, but in the lives of those yet to attend. And so this is this is an honor today to stand before you. Philippians chapter one, verse six, being confident of this very thing. That he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Being confident. From the new King James Version, I think I gave the media people the new living, but it's all right. I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished. On the day when Jesus Christ returns. Now that may be today. But it's not right now. (laughs) 
So if we're still here, there's still potential. And there is still something that God wants to do. If you want Him to do it in you, would you just lift your hands and ask Him for His help? Lord, I thank You for Your work that You are doing right now. You have not rejected Your work. You are committed to Your work. And I pray today that You would continue that work in us and through us, Lord. Let us feel the power of Your presence and let us leave confident in the very thing that you have started that you have begun in us that you will continue and you will finish that work and we bless you we praise you today oh fill this house with praise to the God who is a finisher of the work God we give you glory we give you glory Jesus we bless you Lord we bless you Jesus we bless you and you may be seated the verse says being confident of this very thing. The enemy of your soul and the enemy of your present and the enemy of your future does not want you to be confident because there's power in spiritual confidence. When we're not confident of God's work in us, we get discouraged and we doubt and we are deceived and our view is distorted. But Paul says being confident not slightly convinced, not I weakly believe, but I could change my mind at the slightest temptation of the enemy. No, confident. Of this very thing, what? In God's work, not in myself, not self-confidence, but God-confidence. Confidence in God's work and not confidence in my ability, although I may have some. Not confidence in my talents, although you may have some. Not confident in our track record, whether it's good or whether it's bad. Not confidence in my plans, but confidence in God's work. Confidence that though I'm not yet what I should be, I have confidence that God is not finished with me yet. And that's what I'm preaching to you this morning. God's not finished with me yet. God's not finished with you yet. Now, I realize some of you may feel like, well, I'm, I'm just kind of starting out. I'm pretty young, you know, like obviously God's not finished with me. But sometimes we disqualify ourselves because of things that have happened in our past Things that have happened to us that we have no control over. And so we disqualify ourselves and we say, well, God's work is finished in me. This is all that I'll ever be. And I can, I can be a good saint for God and I can be a good pew sitter. But God's not finished with you yet. He's got more that he wants to do in you both uh, just in all ways. Mentally, emotionally, spiritually, ministerially, vocationally. God is not finished with you yet and we can be confident in that work because God started something in us when he saved us anybody remember the night you got the Holy Ghost or the day you got the Holy Ghost God started something in us on that day he, he started forming he started working something even even before that but for sure then when, we, when he filled us with his spirit and he called us into his kingdom he started a work in us and it started there at salvation and so he takes what we give to him no matter what 
we give to him. He receives us. He receives the talents and the gifts and the, the, the good things about you and also the bad things about you. He takes whatever we have, no matter what it is that we have, and we give to him, and he redeems it because he's a redeemer. And then he begins that process of transformation, and he begins a work in each of us. And I know this from John 1.11. It says, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. So I'm not, I'm, when I'm saved, I'm not the finished product of myself. Yes, I spoke in tongues and yes, I received a wonderful gift of his spirit, but God's not finished with just that work in me. God's not just finished because I, I felt goosebumps at camp or youth congress and, and I felt a call of God on my life and I, I registered for Urshan College and I came and enrolled in some classes. God's not finished with you yet. There's more that he can and wants to do in and with your life. And so we are in and we will always be in a spiritual construction project. Because God created us with an original and a unique purpose. And so he began the work and he's committed to that work. The question is, are we committed to that work? So if God created us by design for a particular purpose and a particular way to fulfill that purpose, then our ultimate goal should be to look like what he has designed. And here's a news flash for you. We are not born as the complete and finished product of ourselves. I read a book by Max Lucado years ago, Just Like Jesus, and the, the byline of that book is, God made you just the way you are, but he never intended you to stay that way. There's always a refinement. There's always something we can work on. There's always something that's not finished just yet in our lives. And so none of us are the complete product of what we are intended to be just yet. We're born flawed. We were shaping in iniquity, Scripture says. We're unfinished. We're corrupt. And Romans 3 would tell us all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And so we're born in need of transformation, of soul improvement, of character construction, and of personality polishing, and of reasoning revision, and of opinion overhaul. We're in need of, of all of that because just because I think it doesn't mean it's right. Just because I believe it doesn't mean that it's truth. And so there's revision and there's altering and there's polishing and some construction and modifications that happen because we're not the finished product of ourselves. And this process of transformation is one that requires that continual revision. So I just want to help you this morning that you're not weird or wrong or out of place because you've got hurts, habits, and hang-ups. You're, you're not weird because there's something in your life that maybe you just, you, you haven't gotten completely over or there's not been a complete healing yet or there's, there's still something there that you're working. You're not weird for that. And I remind you, God's not finished with you yet. He is working. He is moving. So you're not weird. You're human. Look at your neighbor and tell him you're human. Who just lied? Nobody lied. Nobody lied. We're all human, so that means we're flawed and we're weak. And flaws and weaknesses are just inherent in the human condition. 
And so we need continual revision, constant editing. Can you say this just within yourself? Can you honestly say this with intellectual integrity? Can you say, I am not complete as I am? Do you, do you believe that? Do you know that? Do you feel that? I'm not complete as I am. It really takes an honest look at ourselves to say that I'm not complete as I am. Because if you've done a little bit of work on yourself and you've been through some hard things and you've, you've grown and you've learned some things, you can get kind of settled and think, well, I, I learned some things and I, I've grown and so now, now I'm complete. Now God can use me. I, I'll just tell you being, ooh, quick math, 17 years removed from my gateway graduation that when I left, I, I thought one thing and about myself and about my ministry and about my future and now 17 years later, that's been revised and it's been modified and it's been fulfilled in a lot of ways, but there's been some modification, not just to my ministry, but to me personally. There's some ways that I thought when I was in Bible college that I, I no longer think that way or it's been shaped or it's been deepened even, maybe not even just rearranged, just deepened a little bit. And so it takes an honesty and it really takes a humility to be able to look at yourself and say, I'm not complete as I am. I need God's continual work in my life. Because if we ever get to the point where we think, I'm A-OK and I can do this, we're doing that without God. We're saying, God, your work is done. Thank you. You did a great job. Here I am, world. Find a closet somewhere. Get the word out. Put your face in it. And try to cry as hard as you can because there needs to be some overhaul and there needs to be some revision. Because we're not the finished product of ourselves. God is continually working on us and doing something in us. And so the humility that it takes to bring ourselves to the Lord and say, God, I need you today. I, I, I need you. I, I'm dependent upon you for what you're trying to make me and what the future that you have for me and the plans that you have for me. I need you to work on me because I'm not... Complete as I am. And here's the hope. Here's the blessing. God's not finished with us yet. This whole thing reminds me. It's actually one of my theme songs. I don't know if you guys have theme songs. They play in my head as I walk around. I'm just kidding. That's so weird. Um, when I was a kid, it was my favorite song in children's church. He's still working on me. Anybody know it? Like, okay, seven of you. Good. <laughs> I knew, I knew there wouldn't be a whole lot of students that would know it, but my, my fellow faculty and staff, they know that song. He's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. It took him just a week to make the moon and the stars, the sun and the earth and Jupiter and Mars. So how loving and patient he must be because he's still working on me. Yeah. He's still working on me. I'm not the finished product of myself. You're, you're not the finished product. And so stop putting the pressure on yourself to perform at the finished product's level because God's not finished with you yet. How loving and patient he must be. He's not in a hurry. I am. <laughs> But he's not. 
I'm in a hurry to be what I need to be and do what I feel like God's called me to do. But he's not in a hurry. God is absolutely a-okay with slow, incremental, deliberate work. Amber is 100% not okay with slow, deliberate, incremental work. I want to, if I know what's something that needs to happen, I want to do it, get it done, and get it over with, and bam, there we are. We're ready for the next thing. And from the chuckles and nods in the room, I, I know that I'm not alone in that. We're just, we're always, we're chomping at the bit. We're ready for the next thing. We're here, and we're in our freshman year. Man, we just can't wait till we're sophomores because then we're not freshmen anymore. And then we're going to know some things, and we're going to be able to do some things, and blah, blah, blah. And then sophomore year comes. Man, I just want to be a junior. I just gotta, and then we want to be a senior because we want to be graduated. We want to be done. We want to get out in the ministry. We want to go back to where we came from, get a job. And we're just always looking for the next thing. We're always just driven to the next thing to to accomplish something and move on as if God's not doing something right now in my life because God's not finished with me yet and so he's okay with this slow incremental work and I am not and I am the the clay that tries to jump off the wheel and just be like ta-da I'm done God put me in the oven and cure me and I'm just ready to be done but Jeremiah 18 Jeremiah tells uh, the Lord speaks to him. The word comes to Jeremiah from the Lord. And he, the Lord tells him, Arise, go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause you to hear my words. And so I went to the potter's house, and behold, he wrought a work on the wheels. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So he threw it out, and he said, I can't use that. I wanted this to be a one-time thing, and I just wanted it to be ready right, right when I was done with it. I, I wanted to just make it, put it on the wheel, and be done with it. No. The clay was marred in the hand of the potter, so we made it again. Another vessel, as seemed good to the potter to make. God is okay with slow, deliberate, incremental work in our lives. He doesn't expect us to get it right the first time or the second time or Psalm 103 verse 14. One of the most hopeful scriptures in the in the word of God, for he knoweth our frame and he remembers that we're dust. God knows what he's working with when he's working in your life. He knows the past that he's working with. He knows the abuse that he's working you through. He knows the, the future that there is in your life. He knows what he's working with. And so when there is a flaw or when there's an inconsistency or when you are marred in the potter's hand, hey, look where you are. You're in the potter's hand and he will make it again and again and again because God is not finished with you yet. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your faithful work to us, oh God. He doesn't throw away the clay because there's an impurity in it. He made it again. And then the clay found an altar and it repented, but in her flesh she gave in to a temptation. So God made it again. 
And the clay did good for a while, but he got sidetracked by his desire to succeed among his peers. So God made it again. And the clay learned a valuable lesson, but she began to pursue what seemed comfortable and concrete to her. So God made it again. He's faithful to the work that He has started in you. And He will not give up on that purpose. He will not give up on that plan. You can rest assured, He will make it again. He will make it again. Ah, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I'm, th- I'm a product of Him making it again. I told you I'm not the same person that left Gateway College of Evangelism back in 2004. And it's because he made it again. He, he highlighted something that wasn't quite right in my spirit. And I surrendered it to him and he, he made it again. And then I went on through life and he said, Amber, you've got a bigger purpose than what you're living right now. You're a, you're a dental assistant, but I've got something bigger and something better for you. And so he made it again. The key is we got to stay on the potter's wheel. We can't put ourselves out in the potter's field. I want to stay on the wheel, God. Oh, if that's your desire, would you lift your hands right now? And would you commit to Him? God, we're going to stay on the wheel. You're committed to the process. And I'm going to commit myself to your process as well. Oh, you're going to make it again. You're going to make it over and over. No matter how many times I fail. No matter how many times I don't want to surrender. You're going to make it again. Thank you. You're not finished. You're not finished. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We get tired of the process. I know. I know. I've been there. We get tired of the process. But God is never weary of the process that we require. We reject and we quit on the process, but God never rejects us in the process. He never gives up on us. In another verse of Jeremiah, it's the Lord reminding us, I know the plans I have for you. Plans for a future and plans for a hope. And He never gives up on that that person that He's causing us and helping us to become. He, He never gives up on that. But sometimes we do. We reject or we quit the process for probably various reasons, but I'm just going to mention a couple. Number one, we don't see our potential. A lot of times we can't see our potential because we're looking at ourselves through our past or through the expectations or assumptions of others. We're judging ourselves by their expectation. Through the unrealistic expectations we place on ourselves even. We're looking at ourselves through those eyes and so we can't even see our potential. But our creator can. Our designer never loses sight of our purpose. He gave it to us and so he sees it even when you can't. Whatever we've done or haven't done. He sees our potential. Whatever you know or you don't know, He sees your potential. 
He sees what we are and what we can be, and he never gives up on us. He never gives up on this work of transformation. He's calling and he's drawing us. This sermon is, a, is another call and a draw to you to that work today. To that work of refinement and that work of revision saying, here I am God. I'm going to stay on the wheel so that you can make it again. This is continual revision. You are. You are being perfectly designed for what God wants to accomplish through your life. I'm going to say it again. You are being perfectly designed for what God wants to accomplish through your life. Because our ultimate goal is to look like what he has designed and not what I see in others. And what I see them doing and being and accomplishing. God is perfectly designing each of us for our original and unique purpose. And so the ultimate goal cannot be to be like others. Or to fit their mold. Or fill earthly, human, temporal expectations. Our measure of success cannot be to do what someone else is doing or to have the opportunities that they have or the title or position that they have. We cannot measure ourselves among ourselves. Paul said, don't compare yourselves among yourselves. It's not wise. New Living Translations, which is one of my favorites, says it's ignorant. To compare yourselves among yourselves. But how many times do we fall in the trap? Well, I feel called to do this, but man, I look around and nobody else is doing it this way. And no one else has done this before. And I just, I don't know that that's really what God is wanting me to do. Or we, like me today, feel like, Wow. This is a great opportunity to stand in front of the Urshan student body. And they're expecting a preacher. And so I got to channel my Jerry Jones. I got to channel my Vesta Mangan. And I got to, I got to, y'all, I can't be anything but me. And you can't be anything but you. And so to put the unrealistic expectation that you've got to meet somebody else's personality or somebody else's standards, then just throw that out the window. God's not finished with you yet. And he'll make it again. And you can be God's unique vessel. You don't have to look like somebody else. There doesn't have to be a template for you to work with. God is making you something unique and original. So take the pressure off of yourself to be the next David K. Bernard or Vesta Mangan or insert the name of your apostolic hero here. Take the pressure off of yourself to, to be that person. God's working. He's perfectly designed you for what he is wanting to accomplish in your life. God's, he's not finished with you yet. We also try to pursue our own purpose. It's one of the reasons... That we, we can't see our own potential, so we get, off the, we get off the wheel. We reject the process because we can't see our own potential. We see what everybody else looks like, but we also pursue our own purpose. 
We get sidetracked by what we want to do and how we want to fulfill what we think God has called us to do. We put our own interpretation and translation on what God is wanting us to do. And he makes it again. He says, you're on the right track. I do want to use you and I do want to accomplish something through you. But, but you don't have to look like that. You don't have to act like that. You don't have to do this certain way. And he makes it again and. We're just continually in this revision process. And then sometimes we reject the process because we sin, we fail, and we assume that our purpose is revoked or nullified. But God's not finished with you yet. There may be weaknesses in your life and Temptations that you just still yet give into. But God's not finished with you today. So I urge you, don't get off the wheel just yet. Allow him to continue to shape and to mold you. Among the list of unfinished buildings of the world is the National Monument of Scotland. You can throw that picture up there if you would. Brother Nate, I don't know if you've been, I know you've been to Edinburgh, so you've probably seen this. National Monument of Scotland. It was planned in honor of Scotsmen who died in the Napoleonic Wars of the early 1800s. And this National Monument of Scotland sits atop Calton Hill near Edinburgh, and it was intended as a recreation of the Parthenon. But... A lack of funding left the building only fractionally complete, as you can see the picture. The project was actually priced at 42,000 pounds in 1822. And I did an inflation calendar on Google. Thank you, Google. $984,000. Let's just put it in our vernacular. The exchange rate would change it a little bit, but you get the idea. It's going to cost 984000 to do this. But they only raised 24,000 pounds, which would be the equivalent of 562. So they needed $984,000, and they only got 562,000. And the project's committee was ultimately only able to afford the construction of the foundation and the 12 columns that you see in the picture. And so construction stopped in 1826, and the monument has remained in its unfinished state ever since. On top of Calton Hill, which is where that is, where I was when I took that picture, in Edinburgh, from the steps of that unfinished monument, you can see across the city to another hill on top of which sits Edinburgh Castle. The bracket there is, what's underneath it is Edinburgh Castle. A little hard to see from here. Historians believe that a royal castle has been situated here since the 12th century. Of course, not in its current form. In fact, the castle's design, construction, and function has changed many times over the centuries. Very few of the original castle buildings survived the battles and wars of the 16th century. But they continued to rebuild and renovate and redesign and defenses were built around and over the top of ruins of previous structures. And then more buildings were constructed on that site in the 18th century. Modifications and additions have been made over the centuries because someone wasn't finished 
with that piece of land. The next picture. It was ideally located as a stronghold because it is protected by sheer cliffs on three sides of it with only one direction of approach. So it was an ideal parcel of land for kings and queens to reside there and to defend Scotland back in the 1800s and before the 17 and 16th. Today, it no longer serves those same functions, but it does still have a function. A hospital has been repurposed as a museum and a barracks for present-day Scottish soldiers, and the prison is now a museum, and the chapel contains a war memorial. It still functions, and it's useful to this day because someone chose to say, I'm not finished with that yet. They said, I'll invest the money. I'll invest the time, I'll renovate, I'll modify, and I'll alter some things so that the work can continue and the value be maintained. While less than a mile away on another hill stands an incomplete monument without a purpose because no one was willing to pay the price it would take to finish the structure. And in Jerusalem, there are two hills. One of which is Calvary, where our Savior lovingly looked at humanity and he declared, yes, they have sinned, but I'm not finished with them yet. They'll reject me, but I'm not finished with them yet. They'll need my mercy and my grace over and over and over, but I'm not finished with them yet. He could have written us off. He could have seen how many times we would reject him and decided that it wasn't worth it. But in his love, he said, I'm not finished with them yet. I will pay the price for the work to continue in their lives. That's the first hill in Jerusalem. The tragedy is that on another hill across the city of Jerusalem was another man hanging from a tree. But while Jesus had chosen to give his life, Judas had chosen to take his life. In an hour of desperation, when he felt like he had just done too much wrong, when he was sure that God was finished with him, Matthew's gospel says he went and hanged himself. The tragedy of Judas's hill was that he would never know the triumph of Jesus's hill and the difference between Jesus's hill and Judas's hill is that one stands for redemption for grace for mercy and love but the other one stands for hopelessness and despair and being lost without a hope Judas couldn't see his own potential he couldn't see how he could be forgiven and how the, there was any worth left in his life and so he ended it he chose to end his life un finished but God is not finished with you yet Jesus in the meantime is hanging on a tree saying father forgive them they know not what they do he was declaring that sin isn't the end if you'll give your life to me I will work on it I will shape it I will mold it into a masterpiece I will make it again so don't let sin or a failure in your life take you off the wheel and cause you to end your life or your ministry or your potential unfinished 
this because God died. Jesus died for you and he died to save you. And he said they're worth it because I'm not finished with them yet. I'll make it again. And over and over and over in our lives, we find ourselves between these two hills. Musicians, you can come. On the one, I can surrender myself. I can choose to believe that God's not finished with me yet. I can yield myself to Him and let His will be done in and through my life. Or I can walk away from that hill and I can climb the other hill and do things my own way. Give up on myself way too early. Give in to the pressures and the temptations and the stresses and the the hard work of transformation. Y'all, it's hard. I'm not going to stand up here and tell you that it's easy to be transformed into the image of God. It's not easy. There's some really rough edges that we have and there's some really stony places of our hearts that have to be chiseled out and worked on and we we cling to those things we cling to how we want it to be and how we thought it would be and we cling to it and we cling to it and we just have a firm grip on it but Judas shows us what happens When we give up too early. When we say, I betrayed him. I did something that none of the other disciples did. I I betrayed him and I sold him into the hands of his accusers. I messed up royally with this. So there's just, there's no hope for me and for my future. Jeremiah 31, 36. I read this on Monday and it just solidified what I felt like the Lord had laid on my heart. Jeremiah 31, 36 in the New Living Translation says this. I am as likely to reject my people Israel as I am to abolish the laws of nature. That's profound to me. Because I didn't wake up this morning thinking, oh man, is the sun going to rise today? Is the sun going to set today? Are the tides going to go in and out? Is my grandma on the east coast going to be okay? Because the tides are going to do something. Is gravity going to fail to function today? And so I'm going to have to wear weights to work. I didn't wake up worried about any of that stuff. But did I work, wake up worried that I'm going to mess something up today and that means God's not going to be able to use me in the future? I'll just be honest, I did. Did I wake up and maybe have a little bit less confidence that I should, that, that God can take the brokenness that I give Him and He loves me in spite of it and He can work it and He can make something beautiful out of it? 
Yeah, I, w- I woke up a little less confident than I should, but I, uh, Jeremiah 31, 36 says, I'm as likely to reject you, Amber, as I am to abolish the laws of nature. So as confident as I can be in the setting sun today, as confident as I can be that gravity is going to keep me tethered to this earth, I can be confident that God's not finished with me yet, and He's not finished with you yet. If you want to stay on the wheel. I invite you to come to this front and pray. Turn around in your seat and pray. But let's give ourselves to Him and renew ourselves to the process that He has us in. God, we need you today. We're confident in your word today. In every place that we're not confident, I pray that we would leave confident before we leave this room today. That we would leave confident that you love us and that you are at work in our lives. Whether we struggle with anxiety or depression, you can use that. You can work on it. You can transform it by the power of your spirit. We are still available to you. We are still usable in your hands and we give ourselves to you today don't sell yourself short today don't quit too early today God you're not finished with us yet you're not finished with us yet